guys, welcome back to Topicocalypse, the only podcast on the internet. Um, there are no others. Don't bother researching that. Uh, I'm joined here by Brett Cruz. How you doing, man? How's it going? And uh, Gerald Glassford of the established and esteemed publication, Pop Culture Cosmos. How you doing, man? It's with you, man. You act as if I'm doing this thing alone, man. You and I are the bread and butter behind the breakfast the lunch and the dinner known as the Pop Culture Cosmos. Are we not the dessert, though? No, I'll let Rob McCallum have that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, all right, well, we're going to be talking a little uh, little E3 predictions. Uh, you know, there's a, a very small video game conference coming up where they announce a lot of games that nobody cares about uh, called E3. And uh, we have some things that we're expecting out of it. But first, Brett, what are you playing right now, man? Uh, my main focus right now is, uh, Destiny 2. Uh, they recently had a, uh, update and a DLC drop and a couple of, uh, streamers that I watch have gotten back into it and I had hesitated on buying it, but it was on sale on Amazon. So I bought that plus the digital DLC for what the game would have released at <laughs> originally. Nice. So I've been doing that. How is that? I'm I'm here like Destiny players. They're very begrudged, but that doesn't stop them from playing the game. Mm, I think it's uh, well, it's it's twofold. I think that everybody expects amazing things from Bungie because they have a a love from the Halo days, from the Destiny One days. But they they're like, oh, they gripe and complain about the littlest things here and there, but it's it's a constant like work in progress like they keep adding new content they keep bug checking they keep adding trying to add new and great things i think people are nostalgic about the original and remembering how great it was well it took you know a number of years before it was where the level that it was at for them do, do you think that so does that mean that they do they pay attention to what their fans are saying Oh yeah, kind of yeah. One of the one of the guys that I watch that I'm part of a, a little Twitch community with, um, he was actually invited up to Bungie for a summit and actually got to go behind the scenes and they, he got to be disclosed what's coming up through nice. the rest of the year. Except he's behind an NDA and so he can't oh, say so he can't anything. Say. Okay, but but as soon as they make announce, they made the announcement when they did the newest release. He was able to talk about certain things and he still has like a little bullet note list of things he can't talk can't about talk about so as soon as after e3 potentially okay so slash that, september when the new thing's gonna drop they have to announce it first mm-hmm. okay all right it's interesting yeah i mean i've always wanted to play it but i didn't i'm just not interested i, I don't know there's something about those big open world games where you just have players jump in and they're, they're, everyone around you is live like i I don't know, dude. I've just always had a really hard time getting into those. I know, um, like, I played Final Fantasy and I played Elder Scrolls Online, but, uh, you know, that I can kind of do by myself, you know, and there's no, people can't attack me just out of nowhere. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll, I'll pick up Destiny, but yeah. I, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gerald, you playing anything right now? I am. I'm going through Omen Sight, which is a nice little platformer slash hack and slash deal. 
kind of takes me back to a game maybe that would have really been something strong and would have really actually gotten a lot more notice had it been released maybe seven, eight, ten years ago. Because it, you know, simple graphics, simple story, uh, uh, as far as you know, cutscenes and presentation like. But um, the, I guess the easy way you can get into it with the hack and slash and the the simple platforming makes it something that's approachable to a lot of gamers. But again, because it's not something that's going to be, uh, I guess, just attracted to by a lot of people because it has that type of, oh, this is a game that might have done really well. 10 years ago, but in this platform with the Battle Royale genre and everybody wants cutting edge graphics that it, it may not find its niche at this point in time, but it's a nice little game. Uh, plus I'm doing uh, as well, dabbling into some Conan Exiles, uh, which I know you got a chance or tried to get a chance earlier in, as far as uh, before when it was in, in, you know, before it came out, I know my time playing it has been a little bit rough. The game has got a lot of bugs, a lot of issues. Um, it's got a lot of clutter, but there is some promise there as far as an open world adventure and, and also a immersive um, type of multiplayer platform. But yeah, that, that thing is just so rough. now. So I heard, um, I was talking to Eric from the Super BS Games cast and he was saying that the game is very difficult. Like when it gets dark, you literally cannot see anything because they're trying to tell you to go to sleep. And then uh, when you, you, if you find like, you know how like in Elder Scrolls, when you find like random beds and stuff, you can just kind of sleep in them. Mm -hmm. Like in this one, you can't do that. Like you have, you have to build your own, uh, your own dwellings and stuff like that. And then he was talking about, he just went on and on making jokes about the, uh, (laughs) you can make your junk size custom <laughs> that is correct that is an option uh, at the beginning of the game plus also it does court a lot of controversy with the uh, crucifixion and also as well the the slavery aspects of it uh because of the fact that conan himself the character is based on him being a slave originally and and uh, the fact that you can uh, if you wish to do in the game own slaves i think is, is something that a lot of people have been kind of uh uh, up in arms over and then like i said there's also crucifixion themes and other other things as well they're they're trying to push the 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 limits of where they can go with the game um from that time frame and use and reference a lot from the actual arthur doyle books and and whatnot but yeah it's the for me it's a lot of the issue is getting around the technical problems with the game and that that's so far as the the main issue i'm having because it the game itself could be good it's just there's a lot of little things that are hampering it all right right on right on i just got done playing a little game called gears of war not gears of war dang it uh god of war (laughs) wrong game oh yeah um but yeah my review's up there you guys can check that out but either you guys get a chance to play that um i watched some some gameplay of it i've um just with like social and, and work schedule now, I haven't been able to play as many games. So the real world is getting in the way of the virtual world for you. Yeah, unfortunately. And the uh, the girlfriend definitely notices when I really want to play video games because she feels like I ignore her. But I got to give time is it time an, there. Is it an aura well. that you give off? When uh, that happens? No, it's a it's a. Uh, casting spell of uh, <laughs> stay awayness, but uh, um, so I've spent most of my time um, 
watching more games, especially like the linear storylines like God of War, um, just because I enjoy the story of it. It's a good um, story. But I don't necessarily have the time to play, so I'll watch it like at work in the background and just kind of listen. Um, now, especially with a lot of the linear stories, it's just it's easy to do. It's almost like having a podcast. Okay, so you kind of get like a like an audio book. Yeah, it tells you. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, I would definitely recommend playing it if you get the chance. Um, it's it's just as it's like a story, just as much about like learning to be human and becoming like being a father and stuff as it is about like slaying monsters and gods and stuff. <laughs> and it's like it's got a very like it's got a very human aspect to it. It's the first time that you really like care about Kratos as a character and like the the side characters, it's just, it's really well fleshed out and you get a lot of, um, I'll say one of my favorite things about it was how you get all the Norse mythology. You don't have to go, um, you don't have to, there's like certain games, like, I don't know if you played Hellblade, Sinwan Sacrifice, you have to go to, to get the story of Norse mythology, you have to find these stones and they hear a voice kind of tell you a story. And this one, as you go, you have a companion named Amir who's just a talking head that's attached to your belt. And he just kind of tells you stories as you're going through the game. So you kind of get the whole history of uh, Asgard and the Nine Realms and stuff as you play. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little history along A little with, history, uh, yeah. And, like, you find out, too, that a lot of these, like, the Norse gods are dicks. Like, it's not how they paint them out in, like, Disney and Marvel and stuff like that. So video games can be educational. Yeah, I guess so, man. I like Odin just sound like a jackass. So, um, anyways, all right. So E3 is coming up. Um, you know, they've Walmart actually just recently leaked a bunch of stuff. Uh, do you got? Have you seen? Did you see that? Was it, was, it, was it Walmart Canada? I think is Walmart Canada. Yeah, and they like I don't know among the games that they outed was like Rage Two, Borderlands Three, um, uh, Gears of War Five. Uh, and then what the funny really thing about the funny thing about Rage Two being released and whatnot, Bethesda was just going like, oh, shake my head and. But the thing was, like, less than a week later, after he got outed, they had a trailer, they had a full presentation going, they had box art, they, you know, they had they had all this stuff already that they had coming down the pike that they wanted to release. It sounded like they wanted to have it, you know, shown off at E3 as part of their conference. But yeah, yeah. it was just so funny how they magically just, okay, well, thanks Walmart Canada for doing that. Well, we'll just go ahead and release it anyways. Did you see how uh, they Bethesda responded in the tweets to Walmart? Mm-mm. They were like, "This is why we can't have nice things." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was just a bummer that that happened because I still I, I I understand the fact you know because you and I both Josh are journalism majors, and we like the fact that we like to uncover secrets and get get the news out there and break news. But every now and then, especially when it comes to video games, I kind of like to be surprised. Yeah. I kind of like to still go to you know watch these e3s whether i've been there live like i have in the past or like i'm going to be watching it at the streaming you know coming up unlike you guys you know lucky dogs um but i will say this it's kind of nice to see those surprises those surprise releases those surprise announcements uh at the sony the the nintendo the xbox the bethesda the ea what have you and just get those nice big announcements i'm not talking about the indie game like you said or the uh, small game that ea may have on the side coming out or whatnot 
talking about actual big game surprises that that we don't get quite often today because it gets leaked so quickly by all these outlets. Mm-hmm. Oh, that kind of bums me out. I remember being in high school and coming home after school and just jumping onto YouTube and trying to see all the new games that were announced that day. And you just, you don't, because you'd see like the big ones, you see Halo, you'd see Final Fantasies, you'd see Gears of War, you'd see Elder, I remember when uh, Oblivion was announced and that was a, yeah. uh, that was a big moment. And then not only was the, it announced, but the following uh, October it was released. So you just don't get stuff like that anymore. Yeah. I think that's like uh, the coolest thing is, I mean, for certain studios and titles like Call of Duty or Battlefield or stuff like that, you know you're pretty much going to get one almost every year, so it's not a big surprise, but like like an Elder Scrolls, like when one of those drops, because they, you know, they take a lot of time to develop it right. and try and make a really good Elder Scrolls game. So whenever it's like, oh, Bethesda's doing something, or Bethesda's going to be like a big speaker, you're like, something's coming. Something's like, I, coming, oh my yep. gosh, I can't, I'm excited for it. And then they announce it and you're like, Yes, another Elder Scrolls I get to play right and through. And they always release things. They don't like they don't show you something and say, "Hey, this game is out there and then 10 years later we get it." <laughs> they show you the video and they're like, "This is when it's coming out and that's when you get the game." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they have practically beaten Skyrim to death. So, it <laughs> and allegedly there's a what's a star field that's coming out this this year sometime the star the well, I, that's one of the things i wanted to, to discuss on my topics is okay well, you know, well with, with the fallout or an elder scrolls it's very interesting to see what happens i'm a huge oblivion fan skyrim i got stuck in too many glitches so it, it basically wouldn't allow me to continue i've done it actually a couple times where i tried to get out of it um, but as you, like you said, Skyrim has been sold out on pretty much every platform and, you know, credit mm-hmm. to Bethesda for actually lengthening the, the life of Skyrim beyond anything they probably even were thinking about back in 2010. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just been amazing to see how, you know, Oh, a switch has come out. Great. We can put it on there glitches and all. So, okay. and Good for them, just, you know, easy I'm, money. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and they're still sell for 60 bucks and people will buy it too. Yeah. And I'm just glad, I'm just glad to see that there is signs that an Elder Scrolls is on its way because if it's anything like Oblivion and even to some extent, the time I had that was limited on Skyrim, I'd like to be able to go ahead and go back into that world once again, because the Elder Scrolls experience is usually for the most part, a positive one. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a story about a uh, younger Josh Peterson who bought skyrim on the day Can it came tell you out. a story about a man named jed yeah so, <laughs> so i was uh, probably about like 80 hours into this game and like i was getting ready to finish it off and then the dragons just not only do they just come out of nowhere you guys probably know this but they they don't not eat the npc characters that you need to talk to <laughs> to finish the story and so once they're dead you can't get the you can't finish the plot lines and so that happened to me once when I was, tr- um, what's the, uh, you know how you get to choose the Stormcloaks or the, the Empire? So mm-hmm. it was the main Stormcloak guy got eaten by a dragon and I was sitting there talking to him. And uh, so I had to start the, I had to start the whole game over. And then I, it's almost like a cheesy horror th- thriller type. <laughs> right. Uh, like Samuel L. Jackson in that shark movie. <laughs> Every movie he's been in. 
Um, but yeah, so I played through it again, and then uh, when the expansion came, the exp- uh, what's the um, Dawn Guard? No, the one where you're Deep in Deep Blue Sea. That was it. Deep Blue Sea. Oh yeah, yeah. he's always, it's those monster movies, man. It's in Jurassic Park. He gets eaten. Uh, Deep Blue Sea gets his arm bitten off. Mm-hmm. Poor guy just can't yeah. get a break. I think he likes it. I think he likes having his his characters get like he knows. I think that's something. his reputation. Yeah. So he just kind of Fury only Nick, has one eye. Yeah, so. yeah, that's his thing, man. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I I got the second expansion for Elder Scrolls, and then I was about to beat that, and then again a dragon came down and killed the NPC. So I was able to get three missions into it, and I just couldn't play it anymore. So you just don't choose that faction. I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> it forces your hand. You for- cannot. You know, yeah. pick the storm clothes. So I, I did the, I bought the remastered one. Like I didn't have the, that problem going through there, but That's yeah, good. fun games, fun games. Um, but yeah, back to Rage Two. Any of you guys have any excitement over that? I'm, I'm not too thrilled. I played through the first one. Was not uh, a monumental fan of it. Didn't think it was a terrible game, but I'm just, it's not something I was like, hey, I would like to see a sequel to this. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I've I watched some some stuff of the first one, but it never really piqued my interest. And then hearing through the grapevine, people are like, eh, "It was it was okay." So, you know, when enough of people that you talk to about these things with kind of are meh, it was okay. I'm not very apt to go buy it, <laughs> try it yes, out. I want to try this game. Yeah. Well, Gerald, what about you? Well, I remember when it came out, it came out with a whole bunch of hype, advertising, and promotional backing behind uh, with um, Bethesda. But when it came out to the critical reviews, it didn't didn't come out. It got kind of like mixed at the best. Um, I think the adventure itself, what I played of it and and what I saw of it was, was okay, but it really was... Uh, a lot of a lot more people gravitated toward the racing and the and the vehicle combat part of it as opposed to maybe what happened as far as when you go and stop off in the cities and try and interact with the NPCs and the act follow the actual storyline. So it, it was kind of like lacking, I think, in that apocalyptic world. But hopefully they'll learn their mistakes. I know it led to sales initially being strong and then dying off quickly from there in the original rage. So. I'm hoping for something a little bit more substantial when it comes to Rage 2. And, and obviously, if it voids any loot boxes or microtransaction issues, that's for most gamers, that, that makes it a, um, you know, a much better uh, opportunity for them to buy the game. Yeah, they're trying to go more for like the, uh, the Mad Max feel, it, it, it seemed like to me. And that was a. And I, I think what turned a lot of players off from it was that they. You know, they, they had it come out with all this hype in the Anarchy Edition or whatever, and then they didn't have any plans for DLC or anything. They kind of left the story in a cliffhanger, and then you didn't hear anything about it ever again after that. So, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with this one. But it, it's weird because you can't have... There's, like, two post-apocalyptic games that are about to come out. It's Borderlands 3, assuming that... Uh, the leak is real. The leak is real, yeah. And then... Um, rage too so there's definitely a enough room on the market for that type of game right now yeah but i feel like um borderlands and borderlands 2 have a really good following they were really well received games like i even dabbled into it for a while because i had there was the the co-op 
version on the so console. Much fun. So I mean, that's one thing I kind of miss about some games is there's no co-op story because um, I'm trying to get the girlfriend to play with me. Oh, okay. And so far, the the only real games we've been able to do is like the Lego games where you can have like two players on the same console playing. I've but, heard that. So Borderlands 2, it was a split screen okay. co- co-op story that you could go through. So we kind of did that, but I was definitely backpacking because coordination with first person shooters aren't her thing yet what you need to do is you need to start her out on super mario odyssey let her be the hat and then you can (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) um all right well let's get into our uh, e3 predictions uh brett what do you want man tell us what you got for us for me my main thing is uh, mostly console games because that's what I play. I don't, I don't have a space for for my own uh, computer right yeah, now. A bunch of freaking nerds. Yeah. Um, uh, two ones that have been rumored slash confirmed. I haven't been able to to double check on them. Um, two of them. One is um the Division Two. Um, was very into the first Division. First one was really good. Um, still, I still play it. It's, it's got a grind aspect to it, which again, keeps you coming back to, Hey, I want the better gear. I want this or I want that. Um, but the original division was kind of meh, but through the DLCs and patches and everything else, they've actually made the division a pretty good game for those who have kind of stick around. So I think they have a good base for a second one. The premise of the game was really interesting to me. I think that was the, because you know it kind of it had that you you know your typical uh, Tom Clancy game mm-hmm. gameplay, but just the premise and the trailers all made the game look incredibly mm-hmm. interesting. And I hope that they do, they don't just do a continuation story. That they maybe do same like time frame but different location, like. Um, uh, what's it called? Like Los Angeles or something like that. Because I think um, Ubisoft already has that kind of landscape already kind of mapped out, or San Francisco, like they'd have with Watch Dogs, mm. um, the second one. So they already have that kind of base, and they can build up from that. And it'd be kind of cool to be post-apocalyptic San Francisco, right? Right. Cool around. Did, how did the story end? Was there enough room? Did it end on a cliffhanger? Did the um, was there enough there, room for another there, game? There was a cliffhanger, but I think that a new new character, new storyline would be best for me. Okay. Um, just because it'd be like uh, you're just kind of piggybacking off the second one, where if you get new characters, new faces, you can. I mean, it'll it'll probably, m- hopefully, not mirror too much what happened in New York, in this one. But okay, slight, slightly different, but along the same lines. So you don't want just a, a rehash of the yeah. first game. Okay, all right, that's fair enough. Gerald, Gerald, do you have any exp- uh, experience in the division? A little bit, yeah. I, I kind of didn't enjoy it as much as you guys did. I wish I, I would have more. Uh, I thought the uh, the you know as far as when you go into the city and the uh, the online experience where you had to go into that one certain area to actually find uh, a good good actually matches and whatnot. Otherwise, it was kind of barren for me. I mm-hmm. I, I wanted to I, I liked the fact that the the story I thought was pretty solid as far as what was going on. 
uh, you know, the disease and things of that nature taking over and, and the, you know, people dying and whatnot, as far as creating that type of survival atmosphere, I would have, I would have liked to gotten more a story out of it. I think that probably would have been a little bit more of a kicker for me as well, but I, I'm hopeful to get into the division two and hopefully that will be something that I know Ubisoft supported for a while. The original, I'd like to see them go ahead and commit to a longer lifespan because uh, I think they kind of, after about a year, kind of just like, you know, just tossed off the division to work on other things. And I, as you see with Grand Theft Auto, when you support a game and the the audience knows you're going to support the game, they will stick with it. At least, you know, at least for work for for a few games like GTA Online. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like the Tom Clancy um, genre or series or whatever you want to call it? Do you think it's kind of starting to wear out its welcome. I know Rainbow Six has gotten new life breathed into it, and a lot of people are anticipating a new Splinter Cell game. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's just ways to recreate it. Like you said, with Rainbow Six Siege, I mean, that was a game that originally got okay reviews. It got didn't get that great of sales, but because of the fact that it was supported, was given a lot of uh, you know extra stuff to it, it's made its own life and it's big on the esports community. It's big mm-hmm. on the streaming community and, and it still has a viable outcome today. So it just shows you what kind of support if a studio has for it, you know, what, what you can do for it um, with, with anything else. I mean, like I said, the Tom Clancy stuff, you talked about a splinter cell splinter cells hasn't been something that's been out in the marketplace for a long time, but still has a name with gamers. So I'm kind of excited to see that as well because the, the Splinter Cell games have really been something very solid in the vein, almost like a, a uh, um, uh, I should say, a, what, fan, uh, Metal Gear Solid type deal as far mm-hmm. as you know, looking at that at stealth aspect. I even liked uh, what was the Splinter Cell, was it Conviction, where it kind of went off the beaten path for those characters. Convection, right? That was the one about the ovens? No, not convection. Not more <laughs> uh, very good, very good, very good. But uh, I think it was Splinter, Splinter Cell Conviction, I think, was that. The, the one where the main character, he's actually uh, taken out. He's, he's, like, retired. You can see his face and whatnot. He's not behind a mask all the time. He, that was more like of a run-and-gun type deal. But if it goes back to a stealthy format, I, I see success for that title. Mm-hmm. All right. What's next on the list? Um Next big one is uh, Last of Us 2. All right, all right. Um, again, I didn't have enough time to play the story because I knew it was pretty involved. But again, I love post-apocalyptic stuff, so okay. that's right up my ground. So seeing the sequel to where they left off at the first one, I'm I'm pretty excited to see where if they go where they go with that. Right. Cause it's tough. I, I feel like last of us two has something big working against it in the vein that it has so much to live up to. Yeah. Because the first one was so well received by people. And like, I talk to people still today who are obsessed with that and they still, they, they'll play and the soundtrack endlessly. And everybody was like, Oh my gosh, this is even better than even, it yeah, was. And that was probably the first, maybe last time we'll ever see something like that. But yeah, there's just a lot to live up to, and I hope the thing that with The Last of Us, what made it good and appealing to people was the shock value. Had a good story, and they weren't afraid to like have those moments where like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. And uh, mm-hmm. if after seeing the trailers, I'm afraid that the second one is only going to be those moments. You know, they saw the the trailer. The trailer was super bloody. Um, 
So that's kind of going to be my fear that they're just going to play on the the shock value instead of giving us the story that made the first one so good. Mm-hmm. So like the story with the dabbles of shock instead of it, it was all hey we're going to go from one shock thing to the next. Yeah, shock it was the all the first one blended those elements so well, and then like with this, we don't know anything about the story. We just know that in the trailers, it's just it's super graphic. Crazy, yeah. yeah. So I don't know where do you stand on that, Gerald. I agree with you guys on that. I I kind of really got into the first one, not as much as obviously the Uncharted properties that Naughty Dog has, because mm-hmm. you know my, uh, I know Josh, you particularly know the affection I have for the Uncharted series, but I thought The Last of Us was a great deviation from what they were doing with Uncharted. Uh, I agree with your assessment, both you, you Josh, and especially you, Brett, on on your thoughts with The Last of Us. I'm kind of excited to see where they can take this this series ahead. I think it's now uh, Naughty Dog's main um, entity now, now that they've kind of put uh, Uncharted on the back burner. So mm-hmm. a lot is writing on Last of Us 2 to be something special like the first one was. And, and if Naughty Dog wants to keep its uh, uh, prestige as the, what, one of the top two or three studios on the planet, then it's going to have to really rock it big with Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't. as of right now, I don't know what else they've got going for them, what they got planned. Well, um, I'm sure they've got something on the, uh, that they've got that they haven't discussed, but I think they're going to give, and you and I have spoken on this on our, our show the, as well, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, that you know, they're, they're probably going to give Uncharted a, a rest, a retirement for maybe about five, seven years, ten years, and maybe it may come, come back with something else then. But yeah. Um, Right for now, they they I'm sure they've got something down on the pipeline as far as they're they're a large enough studio that does quality enough work to that they can have two entities that they're working on at the same time that both uh, have great quality. So I'm just looking forward to seeing Last of Us two and seeing what else what the studio can create. Let me ask you guys this: Do you think that uh, Nathan Drake is going to be making an appearance at E3 in some fashion this year? Not unless PlayStation All Stars comes back. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll see it maybe two or three years down the line. Somebody will pick up the Uncharted franchise in some way and continue it on. Yeah, I, I, mean, I hope not. I hope if anybody gets to keeps it, it's Naughty Dog. I hope Naughty Dog is the one to revive it. I hope not any other studio. And I, I understand there was a studio, the the Vita version, and. Long live Vita. It's now dead or the doornail now as of this past week. Um, that uh, I other know other studios have touched on and handled certain other outside aspects like a Vita game, also a, a mobile game, whatnot. But I would rather not see anyone else but Naughty Dog touch a main version of Uncharted if it ever to come, if it were ever to come out again. Yeah, because you got a loyal, really loyal fan base with that one. And I think if someone other than them tries to take it on it'll it'll lose some of the essence of what it is yeah that's because true. it's a different studio there's different minds that are and hands that are involved with it yeah i feel like they're in a unique position too because they set it up if you played the the chapter after the credits in the last one they set it up to where you you know, Nathan Drake has his daughter and you can kind of do a whole Gears of War uh, 4 type passing the torch. 
Mm-hmm. And it's also the the lead from that point on would be a female character, and that's what everyone wants in video games right now. So they're they're kind of in a great position. So I think it'd be foolish to sit on that for too long. No, and I agree with you on that. And the Nathan Drake could end up being like the Sully character out of it. So being the type, the mentor type deal. Yeah, more and Hawaiian the, shirts. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. But the, uh, anybody outside of Naughty Dog touches it in that fashion, I I would highly be skeptical of it because Naughty Dog has been able to not only produce outstanding visuals for the game, but also quality stories for it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, here you go. Red Herring. Um, Microsoft purchases the rights to Uncharted and releases them all on Xbox One. <laughs> yeah? No? Any takers? No? Uh, Unless unless Sony started a file fire sale, I don't think that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right, what's next on the list? Um let me see. Um two two ones I haven't really looked into much. Um New Battlefield. Um what they're gonna do with that. Um they they're supposed to have a release or a teaser video or something soon i think before e3 so i don't think they're going to be doing it at e3 but i'm sure they're gonna have a booth or something something out there for people to play and i'm wondering if they're gonna follow in with the uh um call of duty franchise who's gonna be getting into the br stuff don't even get me started on that how do you got how do you feel about that i don't like i i I initially liked BRs, and now it's I'm I'm over it. She's getting beat to death. Because yeah. here's here's my thing. But the AAA studios, they're gonna do it. They have the manpower. But okay, what makes the battle royale genre so unique is that they're done mostly by smaller developers. And so, like, if you have something like Fortnite or PUBG that's proven to be successful and fun for players. And then you have to go over and play a uh, Call of Duty Battle Royale, which is just, you play Call of Duty, you want to play Team Deathmatch. You want to play objective-based multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So why are you, if you were like, what, if you had the choice between a Call of Duty Battle Royale and Fortnite, what would you choose? Oh, I, I'm, I'm not saying that my choice would be different, but it, I'm thinking as a, a studio exec that the BR is the new trend, the new thing we need to make sure our game has this aspect because if you look at Fortnite and PUBG, it's exploded. Like, yeah. like uh, on, on Twitch, Fortnite is like an insane percentage of the amount of viewers that are watching it. Same thing on YouTube gaming. Yeah. Twitch um, mixer. What's the other one? Facebook gaming now has their, Jeez. their thing up and running, Jeez. but it's like, it's so dominant in Fortnite. Also, it's free on all platforms, which makes it super accessible, and it's cartoony, so all the kids are going to play it. What, Fortnite makes money off of their, uh, like... Add-ons. Add-ons, yeah. Microtransactions. Seriously. Gerald, where do you... uh, I know we've talked about this a lot, but Call of Duty Battle Royale, how do you feel about that? Well, it's one of the games, like Brett was saying, that is acceptable to have microtransactions because the game is free up front. And that you can still have a positive and actually pretty good experience like I have without paying a dime. Mm-hmm. And I don't plan on paying a dime for that game. <laughs> but uh, <Good> still, <laughs> exactly. But still, you know, 
they are the leader right now, and you have to respect the fact that a lot of people now want to go in, especially when you know, like Gears of War two, when they had the when they came out with the horde mode, mm-hmm. everybody decided saw that, and everybody decided they want to go ahead and have their own horde mode. So, and it was done to death, and you know, we everybody knows, or everybody that, that that's been involved in gaming must have tried a horde mode type type scenarios since then. Who started that? To, that was Gears, right? Not Halo. It was Gears. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because then I think um, Halo came out with, uh, was it ODST? Or yeah, yeah. yeah, they had something. Yeah. OST, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, but it leads back into what we're talking about now with Battle Royale genre. You have, yeah, you had PUBG, which was going strong. It was really nice, but it was staying within the realm of the video game world. Then you had this Fortnite, which actually the original game was, was, if you still play it, it it's still game. there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was lame. I, I know people were trying to give away codes for it. It was really just this fort building game. It really wasn't exactly that fun or you know type of uh, scenario RTS type thing. I think uh, in fact you know it's just like I said, people trying to give away codes and nobody really being interested in it. It wasn't until they actually went into the battle royale genre that you got to see firsthand what how big this got and it it. it it was just like the slow build for a little while. Then all of a sudden, it just exploded. Mm-hmm. And not only, as I've said, you know, before, uh, like with you, Josh, it exploded not only within a video game realm, but into all aspects of our culture. You got mm-hmm. kids talking about it. You got adults talking about it. You got athletes getting, uh, uh, you know, in trouble because they've got these Fortnite addictions <laughs> over it. You, yeah, you, you, yeah. And, and you got stars. Uh, you know, got rap stars like Drake hanging out with Ninja, getting what you know uh, probably the highest rating ever on twitch and it's just it's insane like you said it's it's just something incredible so why not try to hop on that bandwagon i know activision tries to go ahead and and seize the the actual amount of people spending time on their their campaigns and can you honestly name to me ever since what maybe modern warfare 2 of, of a memorable campaign within the Call of Duty genre, I don't think many people nope. can. So, nope. so, so why not try something new? Why not try to hop on that bandwagon and try to keep not only your large multiplayer base that loves the death match and all those modes there, but not only try, but try and also grow a new one and try and take from Fortnite that large audience as well, or capture a small fraction of it of people who yeah. are Call of Duty just fans because they love Call of Duty, but Oh hey, I can get my BR and my Call of Duty in one place. Right. Unless right. It's, and, and unless it's terrible, and then they'll just play it for the team deathmatch. Yeah, and yeah. And, play and, and I wouldn't be surprised BR. if Battlefield Five does something similar. I think they'll mm-hmm. probably have a campaign. I think they've actually said that they're going to have a campaign, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have some type of mode that sells themselves because you know electronic arts doesn't do everything that's fan friendly it does everything that's profit friendly in yep. their estimation bunch of jerks yeah no, and, um, and i really like battlefield one's campaign the stories they're they, really good they usually do pretty they, good stories they're really well written a lot of those so i'm i'm hopeful that they'll still have a good story a good campaign which usually is what I play through first. Like some people just buy Call of Duty. Like you've said, the story has been very subpar the last few iterations. So people just buy it just to go play multiplayer. They don't play the campaign. 
Yeah. And they see the stats. They have the stats right there in mm-hmm. front of them. So if that's what they, they see and, and everybody loves the zombie modes and the multiplayer, why not add another aspect that maybe people will latch onto and keep Call of Duty, at, you know, at least because they're, they're starting to slip. I mean, yep. they're still very popular. They still sell in the top three of console sales every single year. But everybody notices that they're, they're, there's a slippage from their height of their success just even sh- just, what, three, five, seven years ago. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I, I like I said, Call of Duty some of the campaigns have really appealed to me. I love the modern, original Modern Warfare yeah. one. That was just just truly an, an awesome experience. But you know, it, it like I said, it's it's all about the money, all about the dollars, all about retaining a player base. And if that's what's going to do it, you, you know, you gotta do gotta, it. Got to accept yeah. it. For me, um, you know, I feel like I make fun of Call of Duty far too much for someone who doesn't actually play it. But <laughs> um, I mean, you have I, on our show. I've pl- yeah, I played. Well, okay, so what was the last one I played? I played. I did uh, Call of Duty two, Call of Duty three, and then Modern Warfare. Those were the the ones. And then I think I got bored and played through Ghosts, but that was only like a five hour campaign, so it wasn't really like troublesome in any way. <laughs> but um, no, I. This this is the thing, um, you know. Call of Duty—they're taking a huge risk doing a battle royale mode and having, because you know, like you said, it took Fortnite how many how many how many months or years or whatever to get that formula right, and so you have Call of Duty just trying to break into that into that market, and then people, I think, with Call of Duty, they like the option to have the single player if they ever want to want to go out and do that, but um, you know, again, it's just taking it's it's a multiplayer only game, so. It's, you know, and, and with this and then they come out with another one, what's the point in just buying a new multiplayer game every year? Why can't they? You're going to get a lot of bad will towards fans, I feel like, who are going to be like, why can't you just update what we're already playing, you know? Mm-hmm. But just give us a, a patch or like a, patch, a, a yeah. DLC for BR World War Two or whatever right. the current Call of Duty yes. or, or a Black Ops patch exactly and so DLC. why you get to the point where you're like why am i paying 60 dollars uh for just another round of multiplayer that's almost exactly the same as the last one hmm. but you know uh you anything else on the list uh last one i'll briefly mention in the uh, uh nostalgia of final fantasy rpgs uh kingdom hearts okay um, new one coming out i played the the first one and i didn't finish the the second one but i worked through it enough and i don't know it's final fantasy and disney i don't know what could go wrong yeah i don't know i i I like it because it was simpler it wasn't as intense it wasn't quite as um i'm trying to think of the word in comparison to final fantasy final fantasy 10 has gotten kind of intensive especially for someone who kind of plays slightly more casual like i do kingdom hearts was cool to to kind of play it pick up again cartoony like Fortnite, (laughs) easy accessible for a lot of people yeah so you you're not a fan of the new um the newer ones um i am i just i don't i i know how many hours it's going to take to get through it and i'm very add when i play the game and i start doing side missions and everything else and i i start stepping away from the main storyline yeah which is a cool thing about 
some of the open world games, but it really gets me in the tr- into trouble. Do um if you like Final Fantasy fifteen, they do a better job of making the side missions more compact. Mm. And you like you just, you can go to a town and they'll have maybe like ten, so it's I think it totals up to like seventy side missions, and they're like they take less than usually take less than ten minutes each. Okay. And if you do all these, by the time you get to the game, you're uh, into the game, you're strong enough to just you know kind of go through, <laughs> kind of go through it. But you're not um, you're not so overpowered that it's easy. It's mm. just it's less challenging than it would be if you weren't. Okay. That's cool. Uh, um, with Kingdom Hearts, though, sorry, I was looking up the director of the game, Tetsuya Tetsuya Nomura. He has a reputation for taking a very long time on games, and then when it comes to things not making sense in the games, he just makes up some dialogue, and he's like, "Okay," and that's the reason this is happening. So I feel like <laughs> with Kingdom Hearts, I love the idea, but I feel like a lot of it is so convoluted in concepts that he, only he understands. Like it's all in his brain. It's all in his brain. So there's no like, there's no wiki notes or spark notes or whatever for the game. Nobody can really, it's all, you go into the internet and it's all speculation. Yeah. And everyone, there's like big arguments on like Reddit and stuff like that about what these things mean in these games. And it's just, but I think that's kind of a cool thing about it that it is open and everybody debates because then people are talking about it. True. True. I just like, I want, I don't know. I want something that makes a little more sense. I like the game. I like playing those games, but it's like, I don't know. It's just weird to me. <laughs> and uh, he was originally in charge of Final Fantasy 15 because he's just known for taking forever to do anything. And he's currently, Gerald, you know, he's in charge of Final Fantasy 7, the remake. And so, so you have noted on more than one occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that just kind of irks me because I'm going to be probably in a retirement home by the time I get to play it. <laughs> and I will be six feet under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll come by your uh, grave and put a PlayStation on there for you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You're, you're all heart, man. <laughs> uh, no, but did you see there, uh, they said we're going to get a, a release date uh, announcement next week, I think the news article for said. the remastered? No, for Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, okay. He said, uh, there's an article that popped up this morning. I can't remember. Hold on. Let me ask the Google what it was. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Sorry, guys. Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, yeah, it's, uh, so allegedly the release date will be announced at E3. So um, there you go. At least we have a release date now. So we don't have to, whether or not that's, you it's know, gonna be polished. six months. Yeah, polished in six months from now or still not uh, polished in five I... years. I say fall of 2019. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> Another th- year out. I feel like 2020 will be the the earliest that we get to play it. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if fall of 2019, they'll just delay it into 2020. So I think eventually <laughs> yeah. it'll be right. I think it'll, I think they're trying to outdo the record of the Last Guardian. I'm totally convinced that they're trying to. Okay. How long did it take the Last Guardian to get to shelves? Okay. Maybe we. Just, okay. If we just go ahead a couple more months, we will beat that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, their last garden was in record. development for a long time. Yep. Um, all right, you got anything else on your list? All those, right. are the, those are the main ones for me. Okay, Brett's covered. Gerald, let's. What do you got, man? I know we've talked about some of these, a couple of them. What? Uh, let's go down I your know, list here. Well, I know you talked about uh, Gears of War Five. You let it slip. You know, actually, Walmart, actually Canada, Walmart Canada, let it slip. 
um, Gears of War 5. I'd like to see something new from the Halo uh, world as well. I'd like to see something announced there because Xbox as a whole, of the three major console makers, they need the best performance at E3. And they need it now for the past two, three years because outside of Halo, Gears of War, Forza, they need something more in their, their itinerary and their and and their shelves to provide consumers with maybe a rehashed fable or something that they need a lot of more Xbox IPs. Yep. Do you the the guy? So Phil Spencer's been been on record as saying that he's aware of like the the new IPs and the need for AAA titles, and he said he's going to be working on that. But the guy that was in charge before Phil Spencer, he didn't he didn't like video games. Like he didn't care about the Xbox at all. And I think that's what happened when we kind of fell into that slump. Is they weren't putting funds into anything. We got uh, mediocre games like Recore. Um, it, it just wasn't the, it, they didn't have the right person in charge. And then Phil Spencer got put in charge and now he knows that the problem's there, but it's just, it takes so long to develop games now. And I, I think that. And, and I agree with you on that, but Phil Spencer has been in the chair now for a while and uh sea of thieves came out and that, you know, from you thought, okay, maybe this should be the, this could be the re- Bible of Rare Studios, which had such a vaunted name and reputation back in the 90s. Uh, and and Sea of Thieves has been very underwhelming. I think it probably be, probably the best you could say about that is mm-hmm. one of the most disappointing games of the year. And they just, you know, State of Decay 2 is coming out very soon. And, and that, it looks like, from all appearances, especially from a critical standpoint, is also going to be a big disappointment. So, uh, we need to see more out of Xbox. He's been in charge now for a while. He understands the need, and he's very gamer-friendly. I will give him props for that. He's very complimentary to the other console makers as well. But this issue's been something ongoing now for a while. This is not something now that's been in two, three years to making. This is something that's gone on for five, ten years now that they they had this something. They had this vision on where they want to go. They're great with as far as the hardware is concerned. I still think the Xbox One S is the best valued console out there on what it can do for the money mm-hmm. by far. Sorry to the Switch. Sorry to the PS4. <laughs> the Xbox One X is probably the most powerful unit out there, even with its hefty price tag. But be that as it may, you still don't have the games to support it never had really the games to support it and you need to start focusing on that aspect but we've been talking about this forever this yeah. has been an issue now going on phil spencer's been in the chair now for several years and and i don't see a lot yet to show from it and that to me is surprising because as as you've talked about there are indie games now that are that are reigning supreme there's there's studios out there like ea and activision and ubisoft and more that are able to produce five, ten games over a two, three-year span that people will at least look at and at least play for at least a little bit. And Xbox doesn't seem to get that. And it's not because of a lack of funding because, you know, they have that little Windows thing that they have on the side that they kind of make money off of. So <laughs> you cannot tell me that it's a funds thing. It's a, a an issue with organization. It just comes down to just do you want to commit yourself 100% to the video game marketplace? Mm-hmm. Right, so they would. I mean, I feel like it's not just new IPs, but they need to show that you know they're they're there for the the people who have been supporting them from the beginning. So I think they need 
yeah, it's been like three years since we heard anything about Halo. They had Halo Wars 2, but that's kind of a disappointment. So, I but, but Josh, it's like PS4. I know we always rip on PlayStation for like they'll throw anything out there and they'll announce things like three or four years before it comes out. But at least they throw stuff out there. Whether or not it sticks, that's beside the point. They just throw they they just give the consumers a lot to choose from as -hmm. far as their own exclusive product, whether they buy it or whether they make it with Nintendo. Obviously, they have their properties that they consistently lean on, that they rehash and that they redo for the most part successfully time and time again, whether or not they're going to be able to do that outside of Mario and Zelda. We're going to wait and see, because I think this is a critical juncture for the Switch because I don't think they have really much behind Mario and Zelda-related products that are going to appeal to a mass audience, but we'll have to wait and see on that one as well. Right, right. No, but I mean, you know, Microsoft, it feels like they're always backing non, non-game-related non things. Not, I mean, not just like their software and stuff, but with, uh, you know, motion gaming, Xbox One X. Like last year, the big announcement was the hardware. And that was not, um, you know, they didn't, of course, they had their Forza and they're like, hey, we have a Halo Wars 2 expansion coming out. They didn't really like, is a very bland. Um, well, if they gave, if they gave as much support to the, the Xbox One console series as they gave, as they give the Surface series, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. And the Surface series is a disaster. So I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I would like <laughs> to, yeah, it's. It's, I haven't heard good things. And I, I would like to see uh, a new Halo announced, a new Fable announced, and um, you know some kind of at least two new IPs coming out of this uh, conference. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is that um, why I've been a PlayStation person for a while because I originally started with PlayStation, but with PS3 and a PS4, there's a lot more original games that are coming out that are only on PlayStation. Now, the AAA titles, Activision, EA, Ubisoft, is going to be cross-platform on all of them. So you, it doesn't matter which one you have, but the exclusives for PlayStation. And I feel like Xbox, like you are saying, kind of is lacking in that. Yeah, and they, yeah. they need to focus on that. Because I remember it was like, a, you know, Xbox 360 versus PS3 was actually like a thing because they both kind of had some IPs that were going against each other. And it was really like, do I want to get an Xbox? Do I want to get a PlayStation? And now if you want a greater variety of games, you kind of lean more towards PlayStation because they do, you do. And Sony, like there's always something to play. Yep. And also Sony doesn't, well, won't, allow cross-platform playing because they're the king right now and they're not going to give that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, up. and that's something like Microsoft has a lot of goodwill with people because of the cross-platform, because they're uh, backwards compatibility and Sony mm-hmm. doesn't do that kind of stuff. So despite all the whispers on the internet, but Gerald, <laughs> what, what else is on your list, man? Well, I, I know you guys mentioned Last of Us 2. I know you guys mentioned also as well uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Those are got solid games to look forward to. I know we talked about a Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Hopefully, we'll be seeing something that probably Elder Scrolls, like you were saying, Josh. Um, but we've missed probably what is going to be the biggest seller this year, and that's Red Dead Redemption Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that will probably be outside of Fortnite the biggest game of the year, and could end up very well end up being the biggest game of the year by the time the holiday season rolls around. 
I want to see more gameplay from it. What are the options? What are the experiences? How much is it going to emulate GTA Online and that experience, but also the GTA whole thing as well? Because they just reported that they're close to shipping 100 million units uh, all time as far as Grand Theft Auto V is concerned. So eventually the that Grand Theft Auto V by itself will have sold over 100 million copies, maybe by the end of this year, which is absolutely insane to me. But... You know, if they're able to have any kind of similar success, just look, even if they had the one quarter of the success with Red Dead Redemption 2, that's still 25 million copies sold. And that's mm -hmm. insane to me. I just want to see how they're going to have RDR2 uh, laid out as far as not only a campaign, but an online experience as well. Well, you mm -hmm. listen to the devs talk about this game and they're like, yeah, we, as a developer, you don't want to put out anything within a month of this game coming out and within probably a good six to eight months of of afterwards because they know that this thing's just going to be a complete and total juggernaut when it comes to uh comes to sales and you and i just did a segment on one of our shows in regards to why are the, those video game delays and that's one thing that you mentioned is because the, the fact that people are freaking out that rdr2 is coming out right at the end of october right at the height of the holiday season so maybe that's why maybe some of these big games were pushed back to 2019, you know, under the guise of oh, it's being polished. But maybe it's just the fact that hey, we don't want to compete with Red Dead Redemption because they yeah. know they're not going to get as many sales. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because right. the first one has a huge fan base. A lot of it is kind of similar with the GTA Five crew because it is Rockstar. Yeah. But like I played the first one, I loved the first one. I'll have to see if I can dedicate time to, to, to complete the second, second one, one yeah. because I know it it's one of those so open worlds where you get sidetracked oh, and, yeah. and it goes it goes haywire, but um well, yeah. watch that cattle. <laughs> 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 yeah. And and I think um the other thing that, that has it going for it too is the um popularity of Westworld oh, on HBO. That's true. Um the whole West, like modern people going into the West and experiencing a Western style theme that's from the 1850s or whatever. That's a good point. That there's people that may not necessarily have, or that are younger that don't know the old Red Dead Redemption or didn't play it because they were too young or their parents were right for whatever. Red Dead Revolver. Red Dead Revolver. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you played Red Dead, Redol or Red Dead Redo Revolver, that was really, you know, that that's really uh, something. I think what everyone actually wants is a gun to... Um... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I agree with Brett. Those are, that's a great analysis. Uh, I can't agree with him more on that. And, and if they're, the you know, the... As you love to say, millennials, millennials are out there uh, that are familiar <laughs> with uh, uh, millennials. Exactly, Westworld uh, type scenario. I'd love that show. It's they the may, dang hipsters, they draw man. in that audience even more. That's not playing Fortnite or something else. Yeah, exactly. First, they're stealing Game of Thrones from us, and then uh, Westworld. Cow <laughs> Cowboys aren't even cool anymore, man. I'm gonna go listen to my Mumford and Sons album. Um, no, I mean, you're, you're talking about, uh, Grand Theft Auto. I don't think that this game's going to be like Grand Theft Auto because I think that once well, it's limited because the fact it's the Western genre, you only, it, you know, that's a genre that, that has a limit on and a cap on what it can do. But like I said, even if it does one quarter, the business, 
one half the business, you're still talking about one of the biggest video games of the last decade in 25, 50 million sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many, you know, how many games out there, how many developers and publishers would just backflip, would you just kill to have that type of success? So it, I don't think they're expecting a GTA 5 because GTA 5 is so successful because it reaches on modern it's a modern game dealing with modern issues. Futuristic things into modern yeah, really it's... easily where like you were saying, Western is Western's very time right. constraint. Like the biggest innovation you could do is like a, a, a Gatling gun or something. Like that's like a carriage. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like the first or steal like, a jet or a helicopter or something like that. Right, yeah. right. You can't get over the top. And Grand Theft Auto is kind of a game designed for mod I mean it's not Designed for modders, but the modders kind of took it over, and I think that's why it does so well. Mm-hmm. Um, right, what's next on the list, man? What do you got? I got uh, one more main one that we really haven't talked about. Actually, well, I'm gonna let you talk about the Switch because I know there's a lot of Switch stuff you want to talk about, Super Smash Brothers and the like. I want to talk about what EA is finally gonna do with Anthem. Uh, you know, we that's been talked about. We show we've seen a a nice little trailer for it. But, you know, Bioware is not high up on my food chain now after being one of my favorite development studios of all time with the Mass Effect series. And you know how much it hurt me, Josh, when and I know how much it hurt you when you played it through Mass Effect Andromeda, that atrocity, that train wreck and and seeing where the series and how far the series has fallen and them not addressing anything at all in regards to repairing the Mass Effect series, which deserves a lot more love. So I'm curious to see where they want. They're they're putting a lot of stock into this Anthem game, and I want to see where it goes. And they better show off something impressive on it for E3, or otherwise it's really when it comes out in 2019, early 2019, it's really not going to be something that a lot of people are looking forward to because they'll still have that stigma of what happened with Andromeda. Mm-hmm. They'll have they'll have the bitterness of the, yeah, the letdown to go. Not a lot of, and plus, do I really want to? Don't want to invest. Yeah, yeah, and plus, like, with the announcement that uh, the new Dragon Age is going to be one of those, um, uh, what are those, exper- you call them something experiences as you keep changing the game as it as it's out and you keep putting more stuff. Uh, it's not, like, an, a complete, it's not going to be a complete game. So I don't think there's a lot of people who are too happy about that, but... Well, take a look at No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky was, like you said, one of those incomplete games when it comes out. Two yep. years later, after the games come out, they're adding more and more to it, and when they finally add that multiplayer, long-promised multiplayer component to it, it might actually be a game a lot of people might be interested in, but it's two years later. So yep. it, yeah. it makes it... Uh, they, they just need to go ahead, focus EA on trying to be more gamer-friendly because obviously they had the deal with Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, they've had the deal with, with Mass Effect Andromeda. 2017, not financially, because financially it was a great year for them, but in a visibility sample, um, they need to focus on trying to be more gamer friendly for their long term and going back away from what they once were when they were the most hated company in America. Uh, I just think at this point in time, you need to go ahead and suspect trilogy reimagining uh, food for. Don't have any interest in that. I don't, and I don't can't understand why. So it's just another step for me. Uh, I'm very skeptical at this time of Anthem, but I want to be surprised and I want to be pleasantly surprised when it, you know, when a new trailer hopefully comes out at E3. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think, Brett? Did you did you see a lot? You saw the trailer last year, right? Uh, I saw I saw snippets of it, um, but I haven't really looked into it mainly because I've been like you have I've, a girlfriend, so yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I I kind of have been uh, sticking to what I have been doing or what I've done in the past. Okay. Um, so again, Battlefield, Kingdom Hearts. So not big on so, the so Bioware not, titles. Not going super huge on the Bioware, but I do remember a lot of hype around Andromeda and yeah. how many people were just like, Oh, I love like I love the Mass Effect. I love I love these games. And I was like, I kinda I played a couple of demos of past Mass Effects. I'm like, oh, this is actually like it's actually pretty good. Right. And there was there was a couple people that were like, hey, you know, I'm going to be getting this. And then a couple streamers that were saying, hey, I might play this on stream. They never did. Oh. So uh, I, I think they, they saw other people's gameplay and they saw it wasn't that good and they didn't like it that much. Right. So they're not going to stream something that that's they don't like. Get, okay. That's not going to get views, which right. I think it is another thing about how interesting how to see how this E3 plays out is what streamers will gravitate towards. Will they go to this certain of these games because a lot of this business is the broadcasting of it now is how how interactive you can be with it on a stream. So you think that streamers control the market kind of? I, I think I don't think they control the market, but I think they have a very significant influence They're on like it. Like the Kardashians like you, on Snapchat. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so streamer streamers equal Kardashians yeah. in the game. Yeah, the <laughs> that, gaming that's world. what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you you look at um, uh, you know, Ninja or Doctor Disrespect on Twitch. Yeah, they have tens of thousands of people viewing them every time they go live, which is insane. That's so that's tens of thousands of people globally, and people pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out, and they have hundreds of thousands of views, and when you watch something, it's kind of hard not to get influenced by it. And you're like, right. oh, maybe I'll get PUBG or maybe I'll get Fortnite. Oh, it's free? Oh, even oh, hey, easier. Uh, it's a very low investment to it. Yeah. Or you watch other gamers or people that you enjoy watching, at least for me, and I watch them play the game and how excited they get about it. And it kind of rubs off on me because I not only get to see the game being played, but I don't have to invest the $60 yet and really get to see if I like the game, then if I want to do it on my own, yeah, then I'll buy it. Then I'll buy it and I'll get into it. Okay. All right. That makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Cause I know God of war was actually big on Twitch for a bit. Like that was the first time a single player game had been streamed for over like 50 hours on there. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a big moment for them. Um, no, like back to Bioware though. Like I want to go back and play Mass Effect Andromeda. From what I understand, it's a completely different game now than it was at launch. And maybe one day, if I have uh, time and I'm not playing anything else, I might pick it up again. But uh, Anthem, I think they need to be clear on what Anthem is. Bioware needs to stop. They they need EA needs to just let Bioware do what they're good at, which is the story driven single player, sometimes multiplayer games. We don't need like the the loot box we don't need like the the uh pay for outside content or you can have all this equipment in your game uh or it's like a live uh, a live game they just need to 
go back to doing what they're good at. Do the do the Jade Empires, do the the um, Dragon Age and Mass Effect games and stuff like that. Just that's that's the recipe for success. But EA is trying to tap into that market of like we want to be able to uh, put out content, have people buy it after launch and stuff like that. And it's just not working out for them. So I think they need to be really clear on what Anthem is and they need to find some way to incentivize people to play it. What do you think, Gerald? I agree with you. And at this point in time, because of the fact that they've had so many issues with Mass Effect, that series, and how it went, it was so good for them and it's gone so wrong that they need, it, it, it's time for them to step up with Anthem because if Anthem does not look like an attractive title, it's just going to be DOA when it comes out next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they've already delayed it, I think, twice, once or twice already. So, yeah, it's just something that, you, you know, you as gamers, if, if it gets delayed too much or if it's something that we're not impressed by, we're just going to forget it as soon as it comes out on shelves. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the uh, ghost of the printer actually just... Strikes again. Strikes again. Fax machine. Yeah, here we go. It's coming out here. It's a, it's a death threat. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the third one this week. Yeah. I know. Uh, is there anything else that you had, uh, Gerald? Other than uh, the, the Switch stuff? I, well, that's, well, I know, I, I know. like I said, as someone who is thinking about buying a Switch, has not yet purchased a Switch, is waiting for that magical bundle to appear for me to be attracted enough to buy a Switch, I think it comes down to the fact that... Um, with the Switch, they just need to have a lot of titles that are out there that are attractive to an audience. Justin, and you are really bad at sneaking through rooms. Sorry. Like you got stuck in between moving fast and moving slow, and you just started teetering. <laughs> Guys, Mr. Tumnus just walked into the studio. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. I know we got a Super Smash Brothers. That's a reimagining of the Wii U game, is that correct? They haven't said yet, and that's the because it has Splatoon characters in it. I know they were banking on that pretty hard, so they haven't really like said anything about that yet. So we'll we'll find out at E3, hopefully. Um, you know, I'm not I've never been a big I like to play Smash, but I've never been like a huge Smash fan, I guess, because this is the first Nintendo product I've actually owned besides a Game Boy. Um, but I just think they need more properties themselves, uh, like Xbox. I think they have a lack of of quality depth behind it. Everybody says Metroid, 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 Metroid. It's so beloved. But when they bring out a new Metroid, does it really sell? And that, that to me, is the issue. Is it something they can really bank on on being a top-of-the-line, top-tier AAA game? So, you know, the the choices, you know, yours as far as something outside of a Mario and Zelda. Mario and Zelda is a bigger one-two punch for them than... Halo and Gears is for for Xbox. That's obviously right there in a nutshell. But what do you have behind it? I think Nintendo's able to survive and thrive still even without a, a strong um, line of games behind it. Xbox cannot because just Nintendo has just such a, a fervent fan base to support it. That's true. Yeah, and uh, Nintendo is you know they've been smart and kind of sticking in their social circle of video game. Uh, players, you know, they got Metroids and Super Mario and Zeldas and stuff like that. Um, you know, they they kind of they tried to reach out and put new stuff on the market with like the Wii and the Wii U, and they actually kind of oversaturated themselves with yeah. uh, 
titles. I forget that the the Wii had like the most released titles on any console ever. Um, but no, but that I, again was the most successful console ever. So that's true. It was the motion gaming. I think that kind of put people. It was direct. new and fun. And you guys got to yeah. swing your controller around when you were doing things. Right. And then three weeks later, you're like, oh, man, this sucks. I don't want to be tired and play video games. <laughs> the uh, No, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the uh, the Switch is doing well because they do have the Nindies, which are like they've got a lot of good content coming out from the uh, indie creators. And they have a really tough screening process. So they only put out like quality content. It's not like Steam that just pumps out. What, I think it's like 30 games a day or something. <laughs> and it's still selling well in Japan. But the surprising thing is since the holiday season, the PlayStation 4 has actually been the best-selling system so far during the first part of this year. Now, mind you, systems don't really go out, sell as much in this part of the year. So that's really, you know, all it takes is one or two good months right now for the Switch to go ahead and take that, that lead. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that when times are a little bit slow, people migrate away from the Switch and away from Nintendo products and go back into PlayStation and maybe even Xbox, uh, you know, X- buying Xboxes as well. Right. And, you know, and the Switch has portability. That's it's like the main thing is being able to play like a AAA title on the go. Yeah. I mean, if if I didn't live in Southern California, like let's say I lived in like New York or Chicago where I'm riding public transit everywhere, or right. let's say I live closer to LA instead of in the LA suburbs of Orange County, um, where I, I'd, I'd be able to do that yeah. a lot more. Like that would be like, I got to ride a subway or I got to ride train or I got to ride the Metro somewhere. Bust out the switch. You can bust out your switch and, and play right there. But I think you can almost bust it out here. I, I was in LA and Orange County last weekend and in uh, the past two weekends, and you can almost bust it out there anyways, because you're going and trans from the freeway 101 which is going to be like a parking lot to the to the 110 and you know i i nicknamed it when i was going to work in hollywood every day i I was going from the 110 parking lot to the 101 going nowhere so basically you have lots of time to play the switch while you're sitting there in a bumper to bumper in the middle of a traffic jam yeah i usually only play it when i'm driving so (laughs) (laughs) that's better than texting and driving right Uh, yeah there's no laws against that I'm just kidding when I say that. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimers. Disclaimer. <laughs> Not really yeah. happening. Don't don't sue me. Don't sue me. <laughs> um, all right. So, anything else you want to go through? I'll just. I think I'm good. It's, I, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. This I know a lot of companies have kind of veered away with it, uh, away from it with their own type of announcements beforehand. Random announcements there waiting till Gamescom or other, the Paris Games Week, and then you have the Sony PlayStation experience, you have the GameStop experience, you have all these different expos, and people are trying to kind of like leaning away, uh, 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 either developers or publishers leaning away, they're not showing up at E3 went on. E3 is still, to me, the most important time of the year for video gamers. I still think that it is most important for you to show your product there because the audience is not only just gamer-centric, it's also worldwide. Mm -hmm. A lot of people at Wall Street, a lot of people during the news, they report things that go on at E3 like no other time of the year. And I think it's very important for you to show off your product and debut your product at E3, even to this day. 
Yeah, and E3 is becoming, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot, though. They're becoming more of a um, a fan-based experience. And that's why I think a lot of the, the gamers, the developers only want to show things to, like, journalists because they know that's going to get them a lot of saturation. But there's less and less journalists going to E3, um, you know, as of last year and the year before. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two or three years. But you're going to head down there, my friend. That's oh, going to yeah. be awesome for you, man. I got an invite to play uh, Metro Exodus behind closed doors. So I, I love how you get that I- invitation, and then the next day they announced it was getting delayed. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> but at least we know it exists. <laughs> Not that I'm a huge Metro fan, but, uh, you know, it could be <laughs> cool. Um, all right, here, let me just run down my list real quick. We've already talked about a lot of this stuff. I am going to say I want to see a Sega Genesis uh, Mini announced for North America. They already announced it. It was at PAX, I think, or right GDC or PAX. They announced the the Master I, I System. I think it was GDC. Yeah, the GDC, and they announced the Master System was being remastered or re-released in um, Japan. So I want to see a Sega Genesis uh, Mini announced for North America. So I'm hoping to to see that because that could be a big seller. They had the the Air Games ones, but those suck because they don't play all all cartridges. Um, all right, what else do I got here? Remedy's new game. Uh, it's currently titled P7, but I'm hoping it's a new Alan Wake game because they have for some reason not treated that franchise with the love it deserves. Did you ever play Alan Wake? Mm-mm. So you're a writer and you are uh, you go up to this mountain town and you're just you're there to get away, unplug, write your next book, and uh, you end up in a war with the, like these shadow people. Hmm. And so the only way to kill them, you have a gun and the only way to kill them is to shine light on them. So you give them form by shining light on them. The game is terrifying, but it is so well written. And even, even Stephen King praised it. So, you know, if he's praising something, the story is pretty good. The story is pretty good because he's a pretty big cynic. Break out your pal, break out your flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm hoping to see that. Um, Randy Pitchford, uh, I hope that he's just being an idiot and they're actually going to reveal Borderlands because I feel like at this point the fan base for Borderlands is wasting away or their goodwill towards the game is wasting away. He he said some, he was very vague about whether or not it's going to show up at E3. He said some weird like magic trick comments, but um, I think the fans need to know that it exists and they need to know that's not going to be microtransaction driven. Sorry. Uh, Although that would probably make the most sense of any game out there that would would be based in microtransactions. Plus, also 2K has said that a lot of their games, uh, or all if not all their games, would be rooted in some type of microtransactions going forward. They, I mean, they do a good job of like you can purchase skins and like you can buy the little um, the little like holiday DLCs, and they they have really really big expansions for like Borderlands too. You know, you had the um, was the uh, one with the the Mad Max type dome area in the Tiny Tina's uh, uh, art, uh, medieval medieval area that you go to? So that was all that was all pretty fun. So I'm just hoping that they make some kind of announcement or show us a logo, show us that it's actually being worked on. It's not uh, just you know. And if it's not going to be made, they need to just come out and say we're not making this game because I'm tired of like. I really want to play it. I'm a huge fan, and I'm just tired of, like, wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Halo. Uh, I think there's going to be an announcement for some kind of Halo. From what I understand, it's not going to be a main 
numbered entry. I'm sure we'll see something of Halo 6, but we're, uh, from what I understand, it's going to be another like ODST entry, Reach or whatever, so kind of like a side story. Or you may have to go down like you were, you and I, like you told me about with the local Damon Busters. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? There's an yeah. arcade cabinet of Halo huh. at Damon Busters. It's, it's going to be there, I think, starting in November. And it's a arcade game. It's got the guns and stuff. And you play alongside the Master Chief in the original Halo campaign. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice callback, but it just sucks. It's going to cost. It's probably going to be one of those. It's not <laughs> just one. $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just one game. quarter to play. It's going to be like $2 and you're going to get two lives or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Gears of War 5, we know nothing about. The Walmart leaked it, so it, that may or may not come out, but I'd be excited to see it because as of right now, there's nobody's really announced any fall games besides Red Dead Redemption 2, so we don't know what's coming out. And Usually the, that is gaming season, like last year was really big. They had Wolfenstein 2, Super Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's plenty of others, I'm sure. That Forza came out. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, was that the last holiday, or was that the holiday before? Oh, that was actually came out in the spring of last year, if I remember okay. correctly. Yeah. It's a long game, though. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm. Uh, we're gonna see something of that, and I'm predicting we're gonna see a release. They're gonna give us a release date for the first episode. Please do. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to play that. Um, and okay, this is my uh, this is my my wishful thinking is that we're going to see the new Pokemon game on Nintendo Switch. It's not gonna be announced. The release date's not gonna be announced, but we're gonna see. Something like because teaser thing we're gonna it. see a teaser because they it has so much potential. It's stop hogging it on the handhelds, put it on the actual console itself, the big console, and it's going to make a ton of money. They just need to to do it. I know it's in development, but I you know there's no big announcements besides Smash Brothers and Metroid probably. So I think Pokemon we're gonna be seeing Pokemon. You think I'm I'm off on that, Gerald? No, obviously coming off the success of Pokemon Go, they're going to do something more in that realm. So, uh, like you said, uh, like I said, there was, you know, after Zelda and Mario, what do you have? Pokemon is one of those entities that they ha- kind of have a, a um, ownership of that they can go ahead and whip out and that can actually earn them some big money and that can actually earn a following. Uh, they don't have many properties, in my opinion, that can, but that's at least one of them that can at least draw in some fans, new fans. And then, uh, you know, like you said, with a, uh, like I said, with the success of Pokemon Go, I mean, you've got to go ahead and try something there on the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It makes sense. Um, and you can even still if it's take just that a to port. go. Yeah, you can take it to go, yeah. So it's, you do have a handful. Even if it's just a port of the actual no- Pokemon Go game. I mean, that, that would, yeah. be would be This is what I'm predicting. I'm predicting that Nintendo Switch or Nintendo is going to slowly start phasing out like 3DS, 2DS, and they're going to start making their experiences all on the Switch. And so that that's going to be their one console that they have. And we'll we'll see different sizes of the Switch probably. We'll see like a Switch XL or something that has a bigger screen. Or Switch Mini or Switch Mini. Yeah, yeah. But I think that we're going to see less and less 3DS and 2DS titles. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, so my last three here, I got. I think Square uh, Square Enix is going to announce either an exclusive Final Fantasy game for the, for the Nintendo Switch, or we're going to get another uh, RPG for Nintendo Switch from there because we haven't really gotten anything from them. We there got, is a new Tomb Raider on the way. Yes, yeah. We, I mean, we already know that exists. I I'm excited. Um, 
Yeah, just to see like how they close out that. Did you play any of the new Tomb Raiders? Mm-mm. You should definitely check it out, man. It's it's so much better. It's not like you're just not like a big busty woman running around oh, being chased by dinosaurs. I know, but there's actually <laughs> a story to this, and it's pretty good. Um, all right, God of War will get a a story DLC. Um, I'm pretty certain because the the game ends, but it doesn't really end. So you actually they let you. You walk out of this area. I don't, don't want to spoil it, but you walk out of this building where the uh, Bifrost is, and it's just like it's winter now, but you still get to go do all the other things that you got to do. There wasn't like there's a rolling of credits, but it happened while you were still playing. Mm. So I think they're okay. going to give us some kind of story DLC to hold it, and that maybe that probably won't come out to like next year or the year after, but that'll be something to bridge the gap between the the end of this game and the development cycle of the next game. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about this. I think that um, Bethesda is going to announce, uh, we'll, we'll see a, a new Bethesda game this year. Uh, Starfield, I'm predict. well, Rage, obviously. But I think Starfield, we're going to see something about that. That's going to be a big hitter. And I think we're going to see, we won't get a solid release date for Elder Scrolls Six, but we will see something of Elder Scrolls Six Because they've they've gone through Fallout. Yeah, keeping our fingers, our fingers crossed. Um, you know, last year's big announcement centered around like Morrowind, right? On the uh, Elder Scrolls Online, mm-hmm. so it has to. Like, it's been what? How? When did uh, Skyrim came out? Like six years ago? Yeah, six years ago. I said twenty ten earlier, but I think it was twenty eleven, if I'm not mistaken. Jeez, get your dates right, man. But hey, on that note, um, wait, what was I going to say? What was the other game? Uh, go ahead. I was because I thought. I know there was another game that we that I was thinking was going to come out, but uh, I know, like you said, Elder Scrolls. I would love to see something out from there. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been a while since a good good Elder Scrolls came came out. And right. It's another one of those games um, that has a very big following, and there will be people that are just Elder Scrolls fans that will get it. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Of how well, terrible. I remember. I remember. It. Sorry, guys. Um, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, 2077 from the makers of The Witcher. Uh, that's something I really want to see if there's uh, really going to be some, um, you know, new game footage of that because obviously coming off the huge success of The Witcher 3, this is going to be a follow-up that people are going to be really interested in, in looking at. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and um, yeah, we didn't really see a lot of that last year. I know Sony's probably going to have something Spider-Man related, but we have a release date for that, so we'll see what happens with that but what it actually is what it actually is yeah i I mean i loved i've i haven't had a problem with many of the spider-man games even the old ones on playstation where you're just shooting webs into nowhere and swinging off clouds and stuff like that was yeah that was fun i think that uh um that what uh cyberpunk game would be would be good because i really liked the story of witcher it was really, I it it pulled me in really really well. Yeah, and I'd like to see something off of that. Their campaigns are so massive. I yeah, it's it's a little it's a little ridiculous, but it's there's not a whole there's not a whole slew of games that are like that. Yeah, so it's it's in its own category in that. So it's original, which is something to grasp onto where. It's everybody does VR. Everybody's doing this. Right. It's, it's a separator. It's a very story driven game. Like I was telling Gerald this that the 
Elder Scrolls games are centered around the world that they exist in, whereas you have a game like The Witcher exist around the characters that they're based on. So mm-hmm. that's fun to have. It's a nice, nice change up. All right, guys, this episode of Topic Apocalypse is brought to you by Wheelie Q Barbecue Sauces and Rubs. Um, family owned in Garden Grove, they offer gluten free barbecue sauce, barbecue rub, and SPG seasoning. High quality, simple ingredients, and they donate a portion of their profits to research into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Um, there's going to be a promo code in the end of the show, so stay tuned for that, and you will get 15% off your purchase of barbecue sauces and rubs. All right, cool, guys. Any closing thoughts here, closing statements, anything we didn't mention, any wishes that probably won't happen but we're holding high hopes for? Cross I think platform we pretty play. much covered it. Obviously, go ahead, Cross-platform. <laughs> Cross-platform play. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, just, you know. I think it's a it's Sony issue. Happen. I think Phil oh, Spencer is on record as, as saying he's interested in it. I don't think – I think Reggie with Nintendo uh, would be, wouldn't have an issue with it. Um, but then again, it's the limitations of the switch, but it's, it all comes down to Sony. It's a Sony thing. Yeah. Sony I, think, is... I think if there was a big game, I think if rockstar actually said, you know what, we're not going to release RDR two on your platform unless you go ahead and cross platform. I think mm. if they, they held them for hostage like that, they held them for ransom. I think that's something that would, would necessitate that change. Otherwise, uh, I don't think it's ever going to get done because Sony's <laughs> just too stubborn. That's yep. interesting. Because Microsoft, so Sony has went on record when the the Minecraft was announced that it was cross platform with uh, the Switch and PC, Xbox. Um, Sony said that Microsoft's community is a bunch of bullies, so they didn't want to allow their gamers to interact with Microsoft <laughs> gamers. Yeah, typical. Typical. Uh, Gerald, you want to do some shameless plugging? Uh, shameless plugging indeed, but first of all, thanks guys for being on the show. It was great talking to you about E3 and what I'm looking forward to and what you guys are looking forward to as well. If you are uh, not only just into the video gaming scene, but pop culture as a whole, John, uh, uh, John, see back to that other joke you had the Sorry. other day. I was yeah. listening to that. <laughs> John. Back when you were a kid. Oh, on top um, of, yeah. If, if, if you like what Josh and I and Brett are talking about and you like the talk to talk about pop culture and you like to hear what we talk about when it comes to pop culture, Josh and I do this little show called the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and also the PCC Multiverse. It comes out uh, twice a week uh, to our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different networks. It's also listened to. Uh, it's also played by online radio stations seven days a week, so there's no excuse why you can't get the latest news and trends in pop culture with Josh and I and a whole bunch of guests each and every time we, we try to do it. So I um, hope you get a, hope you get out there, give it a listen. Again, it's Pop Culture Cosmos on, uh, you know, when we go on the air or the PCC Multiverse on the Pop Culture Cosmos stations on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. And then, of course, you can always uh, get us on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, and also Pop Culture Cosmos on, on Instagram as well. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Uh, this has been Topic Apocalypse. You can find our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Podcast.com, Stitcher, Google Play, and other great podcasting outlets. Um, we're also all over the internet at uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you know, if you have any comments or concerns, you can email us at topicocalypse at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I had something else I was going to say, but I just 
sound stupid now. So anyways, uh, all right, cool, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, it's been a pleasure. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Topicocalypse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD3, that's P-O-D and the number 3 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. We'll